This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach James. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? This is the Negro League Podcast. I go by the name Preach Jacobs. Go to MoBetterSoul.com. Buy some shit. <laughs> I got like uh, two or three cassette tapes that are left. Um, I need you guys to buy them. Um, I got some merch, and I have a new project called The Rona Tape that you can also see on there and also on PreachJacobs.Bandcamp.com. Um, I haven't done a lot of these pods, but I only do these pods when... I feel really, really inspired. And the person that I have here today always gives me an inspiration. This is probably his fourth or fifth time. He's like an honorary member of the podcast. He's like Capadonna to Wu-Tang Clan. Listen, friend of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I don't even need to introduce you. <laughs> How you been, man? I've been good, brother. How you been doing, man? I'm fantastic, man. Outstanding. Yeah, man. How life been treating you? Man, life has been treating me well. Word. I can't uh, listen. I'm in the crazy business. Mm-hmm. I'm a psychologist, and you know what that world is out there looking like. So I'm never going broke. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Have you have you noticed um like in a shift in in uh, people being more open, black folks being more open to psychology and mm-hmm. therapy and things like that in the past few years? Yeah, I think what it's done is it's helped a lot of our people to shift accountability for what they do to others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I'm being honest, uh-huh. Absolutely. I think it's a, a bit of, unfortunately, in many ways, uh, been weaponized to make it so that a lot of people have been given definitions and concepts that mm-hmm. they then use to say, well, you know, it's not me, it's you. And other side of it is a lot of people have come to grips with the abuse that they've suffered as children mm-hmm. um, and kind of a lot of the generational trauma that our community has dealt with. I think we're starting to see some positive impact as well as people have talked about it. Yeah. Right. Well, I guess this is the, the greatest segue. Mm-hmm. Have you watched the Genius documentaries yet? I have. I've seen all three parts. All three. All, all right. Three. What, what, yeah. what are your thoughts? How, how do you feel about the docs? I thought that they were taken together excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting because it's mostly from Cootie's point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, naturally, the filmmaker, the he captured everything. But I feel in many ways that there would have needed to be a bit of a deeper dive in that third mm-hmm. chapter. I know Cootie wasn't there for significant parts of that third chapter. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't kind of in that inner circle. But I didn't see where... I, understand his mother died yeah and that's where much of the break took place but i still have a question about well why yeah and why such a significant shift was it very simply that he's bipolar and hasn't taken his met but if he is bipolar then why didn't we see much of this break sooner we saying that his mother kept him on his like i have questions about what it is i saw because there's been it's so drastic Mm -hmm. (laughs) what we see from him, I mean, he's a mad person at this point. Yeah, he's a I, mad person. I, I thought the most. I, I enjoyed the documentary, and and I, I don't know if I call it a documentary. I think I, I think it's more like home videos, absolutely, of somebody that's famous. And I think absolutely. there's a place for that. And, and this is why I, this is the way I think about it. The way I kind of mm-hmm. describe it. I love the Last Dance. Okay, but 
from a documentarian perspective, okay, you should never let the person you're doing the documentary about. It shouldn't influence it. A- absolutely. And no. and before this no. doc came out, the Kanye no. joint, he's posting stuff on Instagram. Absolutely. Like, yo, y'all need to, you know, be with me so I can show y'all sure. how I want to edit this for sure. my likeness and whatever, whatever. Yeah. That's not a documentary. No. You know? Not saying that it wasn't entertaining, but it, but it that's does. a conflict that that I think will keep you from seeing even when Cootie had those moments like when Kanye like was calling him the wrong name and shit like that. Correct. There was probably a lot of moments that he probably could have put in there that he kind of kept out because he's still trying to protect, you know, this guy that he grew to love. I don't want this person who can literally railroad this entire project Mm -hmm. by making a phone call to do so. Yeah. So he had to relent in some ways. Well, and 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 that goes into the other part about Kanye today is that I was laughing. I laughed with a friend of mine, and I was just like, Kanye had the ability to turn Kim Kardashian into a sympathetic figure. He did. And so all this stuff that's going on, all this stuff that's going on with her dating Pete, Mm -hmm. and he's just wilding the fuck out. He is, truly. I mean, it's it's not cool. It's it's dangerous. It's, you know, whatever words people want to use for it, you know, then he has like the stupid video of chopping a dude's head off and all this type of stuff. Like, from a, Professional perspective, mm-hmm. if if Kanye was sent to have a conversation with you, or you were mm-hmm. sent to give a personal opinion about what mm-hmm. you've been seeing in the public eye, not mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know anything privately, we don't know his medical Certainly. records or whatever. Certainly. But what's your take on what's going on with him from the outside looking at? I would immediately refer him for residential treatment because those who are immediately around him are enabling him. Mm. I'm. 1,000% certain there are long periods where he's going on medication vacations where he's not taking any. Mm. If I were to work with him, the the therapy component would be daily, several times a day, where we would have to admit certain things. And I, I would actually show him parts of this documentary. Wow. And I would confront him about, okay, at this point where you, in fact, have someone who is a mentor for you, mm-hmm. who betrays you. Mm-hmm. While you're at home, before mm-hmm. you have this celebratory moment, mm-hmm. how did you process through that? And he's so bombastic, he would probably try to ignore it, talking about how great he is and how they can't stop his yeah, greatness. No, yeah. no, no. As a human, mm-hmm. that moment of betrayal, you're cut that deep, right? Mm-hmm. As a human, you're assigned to Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. You've produced all of these tracks for Rockefeller. You believe yourself to be a part of their inner circle and directly related to any and everything that they're doing, Mm -hmm. but they're treating you like a stepchild. Yes. Did you feel betrayed? Were you hurt? What did you do with that? I would, if I were working with him, I wouldn't let him steer away from that conversation. Like we saw the very beginning of his villain story. Yeah. That's what I found to be most fascinating is here all like we think about him now, Mm -hmm. but how did all of this disappointment shape him? People telling him, now nah, you're not really from Southside Chicago. Not for real. <laughs> yeah. Right. You Having someone go on the radio in Chicago and then make a diss track. Yes. Someone you've seen the day before. Yes. Who's a friend and mentor, doesn't tell you he's done this, just drops this on you, your moment of victory being back home. Yeah. Right. Having all of these things happen, these, I'd say, adjacent to traumatic things take place in your life. Mm-hmm. How did that shape you? And how did that shape you moving forward into this moment? 
So when Kim makes the decision that she has to be away from you and you're unable to absorb any responsibility for that because yeah. you plainly are, what does that do now? I would have to get him away from everyone, all of the people, all of the eyes who make excuses and provide rationalizations for the things that he does, right? He gets that genius pass. Yeah. <laughs> in many ways. Yeah. Right? You've contributed so much to the supposed quality of life of people. They're willing to explain away any and everything you do. I want to know why you do it, though. That's why I would get to with him. Let's get to that and help him understand it, too. Yeah. And I'm surprised. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. I don't know. I mean. Oh, the wealthier you are, the more you can refuse to <clears throat> confront and process what you do. Because someone's going to explain it away for you. Yeah. Right? You're right. I mean, that part when he he's looking at this. I mean, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there's a South Carolina connection to this shit. When he came to Charleston. Uh-huh. And, and he had that meltdown. Mm-hmm. And he's like crying hysterically. Yeah. I was just like, I can't even make fun of this dude. I'm right. like, I'm like, he needs actual help. Absolutely. And right after that, mm-hmm. he didn't even know who Tucker Carson was. Right. Right. He just gravitated towards This dude gets it. Yep. He gets it. Confirmation bias. <laughs> right. Right. You just give me one person that agrees with the bullshit that I'm saying. Yeah. And I'm good. Tucker Carlson better not ever agree with shit I've said. Oh my God. If I listen, if I say it's a good morning, somebody better be like, it's hell on earth out there. If he agrees with it. If he agrees with it, nah, we're not doing that. Oh my gosh. That's the dude is the worst. But it's yeah. like, but but seeing that and the whole Charleston situation, like yeah. and there was like a local artist from here, and I I think he's mad at me. It's, it's a local guy from here, I'm not gonna say his name, but he's mad. He's cool, like he's a he's a he's a visual artist. Uh-huh. And He's the one that got kicked. I don't know if you saw the person that got kicked out mm-hmm. of of the whole Charleston thing. Uh-huh. And while they're kicking him out, he's like, "Buy my painting, buy my artwork," and it just mm-hmm. felt really tacky. Yeah. And and somebody made a comment about like, "Buy my artwork," that it's not cool. Like while the security is taking him out, and I'm like, I like the tweet, and maybe like a year later. He liked my liking of the tweet, which was kind of like, yeah, preach. I see you talking shit about I, me. I see you, my guy. But right, but right. it was one of those things where it's like, if you would have asked me, I would have told you that I don't think that was cool. You know right. what I'm saying? It's like, right. but anyways, but I, I really felt like that was kind of a turning point with with Kanye, where it's like, he's gone. I think that Absolutely. was a, I think that was a thing that yeah. that that I noticed. I'd say I felt the same way watching early Kanye, the nostalgia of that and okay. where he is now, mm-hmm. as much as I felt when I watched that Cosby documentary. Have okay. you seen that yet? I have not. It's, and, and the reality is that I'm going to take time. It's on my agenda, but mm-hmm. I'm going to take time before I go to it. It's it's a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of emotional heavy lifting. Yeah. Um, but there was a moment in the documentary, even with the alleged victims, mm-hmm. there was a moment where they were watching that scene from the Cosby show where they're doing the Ray Charles song, The Night and Day. Yeah, up on the staircase, up and down the staircase. Yo, because, uh, even the victims, while they watched that. There was joy, they, wasn't there? Yeah. I'm, I'm like, what do you do with that? Correct. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's a conundrum out of this world, is that, you know, yeah. <clears throat> are you, are you do you adopt the idea of separate the art from the artist? It depends on the art and the artist. <laughs> it depends right. on how good it so, is. <laughs> um, not even how good it is. I think how reprehensible is the person. Mm. I don't look at Kanye West as someone who is being unfixable. Even 
Okay. I think he's certainly damaged. The problem that he has overwhelmingly, if I were to sit him down, I would say you are holding the rest of the world accountable for affirming you in the way your mother did. Mm. You're holding the rest of the world for instilling belief in you in the way that your mother did. You're requiring it. Mm. And perhaps your mother doing so allowed you to develop this almost unassailable belief that you could run through a brick wall if you needed to. Mm -hmm. But maybe she enabled you a little bit too. Maybe it would probably take a swing at me. You know, yeah. <laughs> at the point if I said it, I have somebody take a swing at me. But the reality is I don't know if he is in a place because he's ascended to a space now where, no, worship me as I am God. Yeah, it's like you can't disagree. You can't with disagree me. Yeah. with me. Yeah, you know, you know what it reminds me of was that there was this interview with Mike Tyson, mm -hmm. and, I, and I think he was talking to Sugar Ray Leonard. Okay, and and Mike Tyson just breaks down crying. Mm -hmm. And 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 for and for the record, as 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 bad of a reputation and Mike gets a lot of times, mm -hmm. he is extremely vulnerable when he talks. You Dude, know what I'm saying? And, and the depths that he has oh, gone to absolutely. in public spaces. Absolutely. Tyson is something else. And yeah. <laughs> and, and so speaking of the Kanye thing or whatever, of if you ask Kanye those deep questions, you think he would kind of like avoid it. Mike looks as if he's, he's going to lean and into now it. Now maybe it's the, hey, I'm the baddest motherfucker on the planet, so who's going to laugh at me for being vulnerable? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But he said something that was really profound to me. He said when Customato was training him to become the heavyweight champion, mm -hmm. he was just like, he only taught me how to be the killer in the ring. Right. He only taught me this is how you get to the top, this is how you get here, mm -hmm. this is how you fuck these people up, it's mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. But he ends up passing away, mm -hmm. and he's just like, and now custom, he's a custom model before he passed, never showed me, all right, you got it now. Mm -hmm. Now now you can turn that shit off. Absolutely. This is how you kind of tone it Have him turn it off. And, and you know what I'm saying? And, and, so, and so there's there's this thing where, you know, if you're a starving artist, at some point you're going to get full. Uh -huh. So how do you react to that? How do you respond to that? And I mm -hmm. think that in that way, Kanye was always operating under the um, underestimated Mm -hmm. And people aren't fucking with me. Blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And and it's always there. So in his mind, even when he's saying something crazy, mm -hmm. he always falls back on, "Well, I told y'all I was dope years ago, and yeah. and y'all said I was wrong then. Yeah. So I'm always better myself." One of the first questions I ask nearly every black man, in particular, that I work with, is, "How did you learn to process rejection? Mm. How did you learn to process it?" Because I think it's fundamental in a world where wow. there's a kind of erasure around our emotional depth. Like there's almost a reluctance, I think, within our families to confront what rejection is like for us. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we're men, certainly, but we're not free of the kind of rejection that the world has for people who don't have power over their lives. Yeah. We don't have it. And Kanye, like all of us, who are black and male, mm -hmm. we don't learn rejection well, and so we process it as a further type of erasure. It's you know, almost emotional violence to us. Yeah. Right? And you can see a group, but you look at groups of white men and groups of black men to see the difference even in how we re process rejection from women. Yeah. Right? White men very often, even though there is that emotional harm that comes from it, mm -hmm. 
those dudes are very often like, ah, you know, her fault, whatever she did, she's <laughs> yeah. not worth your time. Don't worry. They kind of move in those spaces in locker room conversation. Mm-hmm. Brothers there in very quiet moments is this intense sense that something has been taken away. Mm. I have lost something, right? And it is tied to my identity, tethered to my sense of self that I lost it. I think all of that rejection impacted Kanye West dramatically because the first and central woman figure in his life believed in him so intensely and unwaveringly. Yeah, yeah. It was a voice that stayed with him. And then when it was gone, here comes back that sense of rejection. Yeah. Who was as monumentally important to his narrative as his mother was. Yeah. I would argue no one. So now, right, it's like, what happened with God if God didn't have a neighbor? And we're assuming God had no neighbor. Yeah. So God just decides, okay, everybody worship me. Wow. But Kanye moving along in those same spaces, all right, you know, everybody worship me. And there's no voice that is a neighbor to be able to say, no, what do you really need that for? Yeah. Why does that have meaning? You know, the other thing about Kanye's mother's passing that I think might really, really hit him is that if she passed away from a cancer or disease right. or a car right. accident, it might have been easier to process. Absolutely. The fact that it was a cosmetic surgery, surgery. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. like a, a, something that might be considered a, a vanity surgery. It was elective. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, 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 is there a part of him that probably encouraged her to get it? You know, like, Mom, we're gonna, we need to go bubble. You, know, you feel what I'm saying? I mean, I think she probably would have started the conversation. Fair enough. And likely wasn't happy with everything about herself, as many people aren't. And he mm-hmm. would have gotten behind it. Yeah. No, nah, I'll pay for all of it. You get whatever it is you want. But for someone with his depth emotionally, and it is there, mm-hmm. what I can see him doing is managing to turn that event back around on the world at large. Yeah. Like, if you motherfuckers had already made my mama feel as beautiful as she was, yeah. she would have never wanted any of that bullshit. Yeah. So, yeah. you know what? I hate all of you. Wow. Because she went and got that shit because you niggas, all of you, couldn't see how perfect she was. Yeah. So, I'm going to be hell on y'all. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, speaking of tortured souls, okay. I, I was really I was really impressed about the approach of of the Batman movie. Yeah. Absolutely, bro. You know, because, because what I appreciated about it was, you know, if you look at like the Ben Affleck Batman prior uh-huh. to this, or even the Christian Bell Batman, yeah. there was this, there was this almost with the Christian Bell shit. It was almost this caricature of when he was playing Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. where he's like driving a Ferrari, yeah. and he's just like, I'm yeah. this hot asshole playboy guy, yeah. you know. He went to a slight Adam West. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, kind of in it. Yeah, and, and and it really didn't sit well with me because maybe he was trying to be in this. Maybe the idea was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be so much of an asshole yeah. to protect, you know, the Batman identity because nobody mm-hmm. would think that I'm him type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then the Ben Affleck Batman. Uh-huh. I was so frustrated. I remember when it, maybe it was the Justice League movie. And this is like right around the time where like, you know, financial collapse was going on. Uh-huh. Trump just got in the office. And mm-hmm. there was like the preview where all the Justice League people, they got all their little special, you know, uh, superpowers and shit. Mm-hmm. And somebody asked Ben Affleck's Batman. <laughs> what's, what's his superpower? <laughs> I'm rich. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that shit didn't hit the way y'all thought it was nah. going to hit. Like, even or even like watching like the Snyder Cut at the end, yeah. I was laughing because uh, Clark Kent's mom's house 
Mm-hmm. It was going in a foreclosure. Yeah. And the house was saved. Mm-hmm. And Clark Kent says to Bruce Wayne, which is hilarious because Bruce Wayne is a billionaire. Right. How did you save the house? Right. <laughs> dumb as hell, like yeah. dumb as hell, bro. But the answer was even was even dumber. More absurd. He was still, saying, yeah. I bought the bank. Yeah, why <laughs> didn't you just buy the house, son? Why didn't you just buy the house? The house for sale. Why not just buy the house? <laughs> so like so yeah. it was really refreshing to kind of see this like this emo Batman of yeah. this. I mean, because the way I looked at it, right, is that I think this Batman makes sense to me in the sense of this, mm-hmm. is that I don't give a fuck if you're a billionaire, if both of your parents are murdered at a young age, mm-hmm. that's going to probably emotionally that fuck with you. That is huge and permanent trauma. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And all the other Batmans, so it's like, oh, I'm rich. Bing, 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 yeah. bing. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Even so, though all of them, yeah, your parents are dead, man, and you <laughs> yeah. saw it happen. Yo, it's, it's, yeah. it's, so I really felt like the, the, the Pattinson's, uh, you know, the way he carried that role, mm-hmm. it felt believable, you know? Okay. Also, something else I thought was interesting, and see if you saw this too, I think they went out of their way to make sure that he had, like, attainable cars. Okay. Right? So, like, the other Batmans, you say, oh, Ferrari, Lamborghini. He had, like, what, did he drive a Mustang? Like, a classic Mustang? It was a Mustang. Yeah. yeah and and like. even his Batmobile was, like, a muscle car. Like, you know Absolutely. what I mean? So, I was like, yeah. maybe that was really intentional. That, that I think it was. Yeah. I think I would, well... I'll say a couple of things, man, and I know... Spoiler alert, of, spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, some of the the Batman fans out there may feel a way, but, I mean, fuck it. This <laughs> is the best Batman film that has been made. I feel and that. And I'm going to say I it's feel that even way too. better than The Dark Knight. I feel that way, too. And a part of what I think made this film so amazing is that it leaned into the notion that Batman fundamentally is a detective. Mm, yes. That's what he is. Yes. So this was a detective film, yes. and the detective has to skillfully work his way through uh-huh. this mystery in order to reach his goals, yeah. right? And also, one of the things that has always bothered me about a lot of Batman stands is the notion that if Batman has enough time, he can defeat anyone and anything under any circumstances, right? <laughs> Give him enough time on Sunday morning, he'll get God the fuck up out of here. Right? <laughs> so that's always been absurd to me. Mm-hmm. This was a film that allowed for a very young, developing Batman mm-hmm. to taste the equivalent of defeat. Mm-hmm. And not total defeat, just you're not going to be able to always save it, even yeah. if you're there in time. You're not going to, even if you figure it out. Right, you can do the right thing. You can mm-hmm. be the best, and you can still lose. I thought that was a very rich bit of the tapestry to build and then to explore yeah. for this Batman. No, I loved it, man. A young Batman. We don't have to spend a lot of time about his parents. We know they're dead already. Yeah, yeah. What does this young, traumatized, developing detective do with what's been given to him? Mm-hmm. With circumstances that are overwhelming, mm-hmm. with a police force that just isn't doing shit but treating him like he's a near enemy, mm-hmm. right? I, everything they built into the film, I thought made it tremendous as an overall project. Yes. Right? I needed nothing more from it. It was long as shit anyway. It didn't so feel, I it didn't, didn't need to. I'll be honest with you, when I saw it, it, I was getting ready. I was prepping. I was like, I can't drink nothing. Right, right, you know, right. I'll be honest with you, like it, it didn't feel long. It didn't, it didn't feel super mm. long, no. No, no, no. I thought it was a brilliant film and is, in my view, the best Batman film. There are going to be a number of people are going to argue. Well, you know, I didn't have Heath Ledger's. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um, I disagree. 
the film itself is a series of explorations that build this portrait of the detective comics Batman. Yeah. Which is where he is. Dude, he's not an actual superhero. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's a human being who yeah. wears a costume, yeah. who has a number of devices and uses his wits to do his job. Yeah. This film represented that. And I thought it did so brilliantly. It showed how fucked up a city Gotham is. Yeah. It did that brilliant. That was a brilliant take on the Penguin. Mm-hmm. As he's a developing villain going forward, you have that contemplative look at the end where you know he's getting ready to bring hell to that city. You, you know, there's um, they just uh, greenlit uh, um, the HBO show of him playing of the Penguin. The, yeah, I can dig it. Yeah, I can dig it. I'd like to see it. Yeah, I'd like to see it. And, yeah. and you know. It, I, I like to see DC do something good once uh, like I say once at the blue moon. But okay. like but Marvel would just would be whipping their asses so much in yeah. the public sphere yeah. that it's nice to see them yeah. get this one get this one going. Plus it's not a Marvel movie coming out for a while. Like this is kinda like Yeah. The we don't have Doctor Stranger yeah, You know what I'm saying? So yeah. but yeah, I, I really I really I really, really um enjoyed this. I Absolutely. I, Zoe Kravitz I thought was great. Yeah. Um and speaking of like the Christopher Nolan movies, like, you know, you hear what she talked about. She, she was before. told she was too urban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like I—I I don't know what role she was she was auditioning for, but I just think it's kind of funny. Where it's just like, listen, if Zoe Kravitz walks in, we give her what she wants. That's exactly she what wants I'm to be to. in the film. We'll write something up for you, that's, my love. That's the point. You I'm came to at. read. Yeah, no, nah, I got you. I'm like, I'm you. like, Come who? Who is the person that? Because I. It might. It, I, I hope it wasn't for Maggie Gyllenhaal. That's what I'm thinking. Like, nah, like it might not nah. been for nothing like that. But I don't know. Nah. I One always of Tucker Carlson's friends was <laughs> man in the, the casting M&Ms. director chair. So <laughs> <laughs> it was like, fuck it, we can't do this, man. Nah. I, I always, I get frustrated with shit like that. I remember. I don't know if I gave you this rant, but it was like there was the the female version of the Oceans movies, mm-hmm. and it was like the Oceans Eight. Oceans Eight. That's and right. It, yeah. And it was like, uh, uh, you know. Um, Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. and and what's my Sandra Bullock. And Sandra Bullock or whatever, yeah. and like they're supposed to be like you know the the George Clooney and Brad Pitt of the Correct. crew type of thing. I tell you what I thought was fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Rihanna was in the movie. That's right, playing a tech whiz. Is that right? Yes, that what she did. Okay, but they went out of their way to try to like you know tomboy her up. Put a bunch of hair on a ba- bunch of yeah. baggy clothes, yeah. which is fine because I think Rihanna is beautiful in anything she does. But yeah. what kills me, there was this like this scene, and now to think of it, Aquafina was in it too to get to my that's fucking right. nerves. Yeah, that's right. But there was this scene where they supposed to be like walking into like this casino or this place where mm-hmm. the heist is going to happen, and it was like when they showed Rihanna, it was like oh it's just this black girl, and then when they show like Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock in their dress. Which is absurd because Rihanna is stunning. Exactly my point. Everything, They tried tried to make it seem like... That woman is bad if she's tarred and feathered. (laughs) Come on! (laughs) This is the point I'm getting at. The scene, they tried to make it seem like Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock. It was like, oh, they're so sexy, Mm -hmm. slow motion. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, but y'all got Rihanna right here. Yeah, so what what they didn't need to do was to try to promote two of the cast by diminishing another. Yeah. I just absolutely no place for it, but I, I, that's done quite a bit, I, you know, with black I, actors and actresses. I feel the same way yeah. when 
when I found out that Lupita was in the Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, she's in the Star Wars movie. Great, let's figure this out. What, what character is she? And and Lupita, who's repeatedly been considered one of the most beautiful women in the world, mm-hmm. been in Vogue, all this shit. Mm-hmm. When she was in that Star Wars movie, she was like this like orange looking mole. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, weird, huge yeah, 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 I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, why get Lupita then? Just get somebody else Correct. to do this. You know? Correct. So it felt like they were really going out of their way. They were like, yo, we're going to get your baddest and we there's, just going gonna... to... There's always an agenda there. Yeah. There's always an agenda there, yeah. I mean, I think if there was one thing that bothered me about Batman, and it's probably a broader thing that I have a problem with. Man, stop having fucking British actors <laughs> playing these iconic American roles, black or white. I'm sick of that shit. Yo, yo, we I don't want to hear no more of that shit. Yeah, the Abraham Lincoln was played by Daniel Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> this is great American. Having all of the, and I understand they're gifted, man, and you do want to potentially have, the, like, dude, you understand how many Spider-Mans have been played by Brits yes. at this point? Yo, and then we've had a Sup- couple of Superman Batmans. was British, dude. Like, yeah, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it, man. And I'm not necessarily the. Uh, the epitome of a nationalist in any real way. Simply, I'm like, no, man, these roles have meaning yeah. in a particular way. One of the things I thought was interesting about Harry Potter in those films and the approach was mm-hmm. these roles have to be played by British actors and actresses mm-hmm. because that is important to their overall cultural view absolutely, and how they approach the life that's given them in those stories and with one another. I feel some of especially the superhero films, yeah, that's important. It matters. He's like a, Superman? Yeah, he's an American iconic. Cat, yeah. Dude, come on, man. <laughs> Spider-Man, Spider-Man ha- not only does he have to be American, he's got to be a New Yorker, man. It yeah, matters. Absolutely. You got to give him that. How do you feel about the last Spider-Man movie? Have you seen it? It yet? was dope. Okay. It was I dope. But I'm, I'm in a space now where Batman has rendered, like it's just been moved yeah. you know, well down my radar. Um, no, I thought it was a, a fun, fun film. Very good film, but Batman is something different. Yeah, it, it's a very important film in reality. Yeah, I yeah. I loved it. I think I think um it was worth the wait. I know they went through a bunch of like, you know, schedules to push back because of the Rona and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So I, I'm glad. I, I I think you said Doctor Strange is the next one that's coming. Yeah, Doctor. Well, Moon Knight is a series, but as a film, it's Doctor Strange in uh, the multiverse. Okay. Coming out in May, so they have some time. So outside of all this, anything else you're watching right now that's worth catching? Huh. TV shows, what, what movies? What am I watching? I'm watching Pieces of Her. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. <laughs> um, I'm watching Formula One. Uh, okay. Listen, if you're a sports fan, I recommend heading on to Netflix and checking out Formula One. Even if you're not into Formula One, the exploration of the competition in Formula One Mm-hmm. How those folks go about building the teams themselves, mm-hmm. having a black driver be oh, wow. far and away the best driver who has ever lived. Oh, wow. Like, <laughs> broken every record, tons of crowns. Like, no, it's a fascinating. So, fascinating Formula, Formula One, is it a British thing or is it? No, I mean, it's it's the world over. Okay. Um, we probably in the US, I would say, observe it the least. Like, they're phenomenally wealthy. The drivers mm-hmm. are like, it's huge money. Um, I think there may be two races in the United States. Okay. I think Austin is one. There's one other Amer- uh, United States race, but the races are pretty much around the rest of the globe. The okay. rest of the globe, very much like soccer, is into Formula One. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're 
We're the one place on planet Earth, us in Canada to some degree, who think NASCAR is superior. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone else has looked at the very low to the ground, very small, super fast cars of Formula One, the very tight turns, the shorter Mm -hmm. tracks, like have looked at that Mm -hmm. as being superior. We look at NASCAR as being the thing. Wow. And perhaps because it is an American creation, I don't know. But um, no, Formula One is interesting. I'm determined to get to a race now. All right, well, let's let's make that happen. If there's something that yeah. pops up that's like you know, oh, we gonna do it. Right, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, definitely yeah. down. Yeah, listen, we're and, doing it. And you're the second person that brought up the Formula One uh-huh. documentary. I'm I'm gonna check it out because I've heard great things. Yeah, it's an entire it. series. Yeah, they have right. like three seasons. Season four kicks today. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, then, yeah, yeah. That's perfect. All right, yeah. all right. So, so speaking of watching shit, have you seen the the Lakers show yet? I haven't. Um, I haven't. Have you heard about this? I have. So, um, the first episode came out Sunday. Okay. I'm, I'd be interested to see what you thought about it because okay. like I enjoyed it, but I was annoyed by it only because I felt like, have you ever seen uh, the big short? Mm-hmm. I have. And, and I enjoyed the big short, but it seems like as soon as Adam McKay kind mm-hmm. of like hit his stride with the big short, uh-huh. everything he does now is kind of like directed Dur- the same way. Right? Absolutely. And, and it gets to the point where the way the big short was directed, I thought it helped tell the story mm-hmm. now his style of directing i think is getting in the way of the story it's that it, yeah. it's, it's 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 some parts it's just fucking annoying you know mm-hmm. what i mean and then there's like a lot of like fourth wall breaking and people talking to the camera and stuff mm-hmm. like this i'm like okay mm-hmm. this is the type of show it's going to be it's sure. like it just let me know what it is you know mm-hmm. but i thought it was fascinating in a way just with the logistics of it where it's just like in order for you to do this show magic johnson is six foot nine uh-huh Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's in the show. Kareem is over seven feet. Correct. You have to find motherfuckers big enough to play these roles. Who can act. Who can act. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like... It, and like, who have the kind of gravity that Kareem had. Mm-hmm. Kareem was brilliant mm-hmm. and moody. Yes. And very quiet yes. and distant. Whereas Magic was charismatic. Mm-hmm. Entered and took over an entire room. Mm-hmm. And was kind of fiery and angry. Yeah. Yeah, and can't blame them really. Yeah, so I I don't know how far this season is gonna go, but okay. but I think it might end to like the end of like the season might end at like Magic's career in the, in the early nineties, okay. right? Okay. I heard something. I was listening to something where one of the uh, creators of the show. I heard that every season mm-hmm. will be a different Lakers storyline. That's interesting. So, so we might get Kobe Shaq. That's what I've been hearing. Huh. I'm like, huh? So, so I'm like, that'll be fun. That'll yo, be fascinating, right? Yeah, right? But again, One, as I'm thinking about it, two other things that I am watching. I don't know how they slip me. Abbott mm. Elementary, okay, uh, is one. And Abbott I Elementary heard it was is brilliant. Okay. So definitely take time with that. I, I've seen people describe it as kind of an office mm-hmm. for an inner city schools. It's folks. not at okay. all. Okay, it's not at all. The humor is not even the same. I think there's an understanding that our community. <laughs> Yeah, exists in spaces where the odds may be totally against them in a different way, and it has that feel. Mm-hmm. Very familiar. Um, okay, so no, I recommend it. How many, how many seasons is that? It's one season, two? First season, and okay. I think like nine episodes so far. I think okay. they're doing like a mid-season break or some such thing. All right, because you know network television, you get like twenty-four fucking episodes. You do, <laughs> you do, and it looks like they ordered these and didn't realize how big a hit it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So now they've got to double back and film everything. Wow. Um, okay. And on HBO Max, caught the tourist. 
Is that okay? Yeah, that's uh, an Australian import. This dude uh, loses his memory, and people are trying to murder him. And then he has to work backwards and figure uh, it out and uh, realize what type of uh, a piece of shit he was. It's an Australian memento. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. A, yeah, it's a fascinating program. Okay. Fascinating program. Yeah. All right. I thought I thought this was interesting, right? Because like going to see Batman was like one of the first things that I've done in a while to kind of get out of the house. I had to kind of force myself to do it. Good work, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I was excited about it. Yeah. Um, and like I want to be more social now. You know, sure. like things are getting a little bit better, and you want to do uh-huh. more shit or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and we was talking about this uh, off air. I always say off air with like this no radio show, but it's like I I don't know if there's a term for what I'm dealing with. Or if there's somebody like, you know, diagnosed with this is, but like, I really feel like, and maybe it's because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. I really feel like I've regressed. Like, I, I I always feel as if I'm someone that communicates well, yeah, hang out, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. I just don't have a desire to go out, but I want to go out. Yeah. Right? It's like, I'm like, yo, I should want to hang out. I should want yeah. to interact. And not even being out in public, yeah. I just don't talk as much to people anymore. Sure. Right? Like, sure. Like, I tell you, the funniest shit that I do, and I feel so terrible about it, if someone calls me, with the exception of, like, my mom or something, mm-hmm. if I get a phone call, my I either have one or two thoughts pop in my head. Mm-hmm. It's either, oh, shit, what's wrong? Right. Or two, oh, shit, why are you calling me? Right? Yeah. So like, I will do, always... Do I have to talk to you <laughs> right now? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. and I love talking one-on-one in person yeah. or whatever, but it's like... You know, I don't care if I'm sitting, you know, on my bed watching TV. If somebody mm-hmm. calls, I will I will ignore, uh-huh. and then I will send a text message and say, can't sure. talk, can text, <laughs> what's up? What's up? <laughs> right? You know? And yeah, I feel like folks know that's a rule at this point, though, man. Like, <laughs> damn. If you can text this shit, exactly. Why right. are you calling? Yeah, but but I feel like I feel like that times ten. Yeah. So so part of me feels like. Has there been anything, I guess, in your field mm-hmm. of of people dealing with some type of um, emotional stagnation? Absolutely. Of of like yeah. now, like they're trying to get out yeah. of it, but they don't know what to do. Like yeah, we're seeing more and more studies are emerging mm-hmm. in and around what you have with the emotional and psychiatric correlates of having mm-hmm. lived so long with Rona. Mm-hmm. of being above us. I've just taken to calling it Ronerized Anxiety Disorder. <laughs> or, or, or Rona... Yeah, I'm quoting or, or, or Ronafrenia instead of schizophrenia, man. Like, people, in fact, are showing different types of symptoms, and that's what's made it mm-hmm. so challenging. Is one of the things that it, it looks like anxiety in terms of engaging with other people, but it also looks like depression in terms of day-to-day motivation, yes. energy level... This sense of overwhelming sadness, this sense of disconnection, but wanting to be connected. It has oh, it, even man. people's sense of reality has shifted. What does it mean to be outside? Kind of like, how am I losing so much sense of time? That's yeah. why I've kind of named it both just kind of playfully, yeah. the Ronerized Anxiety Disorder and Ronafrenia. Like yeah. it has so many symptoms associated with it that people, it, it's when people are talking about having long schizophrenia. Yeah. Right. This is what this feels like emotionally is that people are like, well, I've, gotten back to work kids are back in school Mm -hmm. you know i'm getting back to my life but they feel burdened emotionally by what they're managing what they're feeling the symptoms are there with them Mm -hmm. and they're truly impacting their overall quality of life a lot of people are trying to smile through it 
Yeah. Like the number of back channel conversations. Like, dude, am I supposed to feel like this? Yeah. I mean, yeah. because because let's be honest, right? Because I think this is like the two year anniversary this week before mm-hmm. everything pretty much everything shut down. Everything shut down, right? Mm-hmm. If if you would have told us, let's say that the shutdown would have lasted two months mm-hmm. and we were stuck in the house for two months, sure. You would have you would expect after two months people like, oh yay orgies in the street or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Now it's like. And by no means do I think we're out of the water completely, nothing like no, that yet. Not. But but seeing things kind of like get a little bit better, mm-hmm. there's not that happiness or enthusiasm with it. It's like right. it's like wanting the girl from high school. Mm-hmm. You want to get with her in your forties. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like eh. right. <laughs> right? It's like, eh. I mean, I got what I wanted. Right, so now I I got to fake it a little bit (laughs) because I always said if I ever got it, I was going to be over the moon. And that's that's what this feels like, right? It's it's like, you know, but I think you've helped try to diagnose what it is. Like even just just putting a play word on it kind of helps wrap your mind around it. Sure. Um, Another thing is like, what do you do? The same things that you would do if you were managing anxiety, depression, if you were managing even, I'm going to go so far as to say post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. So there's the processing piece that takes place. There's the goal-setting piece that takes place. There is kind of what has been the impact on your life Mm. of having to have lived with this. What many people realized I think painfully but truthfully is that their relationships were not feeding them as much as they thought. Wow. The prior, re- to, prior to pri- Correct. So yeah. I think what they're realizing is relationships were built on the activity as opposed to the quality of the relationship. Oh, so there's that yeah. processing piece. It's, right, it's where, the going out to drink, not correct, the company. Not the company. <laughs> yeah. So and, and even having to then explore the quality of relationships from a distance to not see the person all the time yeah. and not have the distraction of the activity. There's okay... I don't know how much I actually like this person. Right? <laughs> right. And we've started to even be weighed down by what it is we think about ourselves and think about work. What is our relationship with work? A lot of people were driven day to day by functionality around it. I get, I do what I do. I rest, I exercise, I'm right for work. Then I go to work. I get enough sleep so I can get up and go to work in the morning. Yeah. And so when that's taken away, well, what's your motivation for living a full life? Mm. People were having to confront what their goals were at wow. that point. And so what Rona has done in many ways is it's caused almost our entire population to examine the things that make us happy, that make us content, mm-hmm. the things that drive our day-to-day sense of ourselves and our place in the world. And what a lot of people found out, I'd say damn near all of us, is like, we're not doing as well as we thought. Yeah. And a lot of it had to do with us not really facing what was going on in our lives. When you can't go out and distract yourself with liquor, with having a good time, with drugs, with the company of others, with whatever's going on in their lives, now you have to sit down and say, man, like, what have I been doing with my time? Yeah. Right? How have I been productive? And 
for many of us, the things that even we were creating, we were creating in order to have others look at them and see them. We weren't creating them for the love of. Yeah. So when people were in a space where they were having to create for themselves, mm -hmm. they were like, I don't want to do this shit. <laughs> but the reality is you never did really want to do that shit. Mm -hmm. You wanted to do it for money. You wanted to do it for influence. You wanted to do it for attention. Yeah. Or you wanted to do it for the likes. Is for Whatever those things may be, for the acceptance and affirmation. But now it's like, why do I do what I do? And a lot of the work that we do as psychologists, right? Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm Dr. Napoleon Wells, the greatest psychologist in the world. Uh, right? a, lot of, a lot of the work that we do with our patients is to help them be mindful about what motivates them, mm -hmm. right? Let's pull back why you say you do a thing and understand why you really do it mm -hmm. and what impact it has. And what Rona has done is cause people to have some serious conversations. Like, yeah. dude, do I really love my relationship with that person and how does it have to change for me? Mm. What do I think of myself now? Am I going to absorb the goals of others? Have I been living for others? Right. It, 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 I think, unfortunately, tore back a lot of the curtain that had fallen with social media. Yeah. Largely. And even just we were working so much and that's been changed and we were just driving our kids through school. Yeah. Like they've had to examine what it means to be a learner mm -hmm. and what it means to engage with information. Like people, I think, are now changing the world as we know it and their world as they know it. And that's frightening. That's frightening. That's heavy emotional work. And it also gave rise to a lot of people who were toxically positive. <laughs> and so what they did yeah, during like that, that yeah. time was make the decision that they're gonna convince everyone to be productive. Yeah. Right? Like, dude, uh, what you need to do is to get this exercise routine and to eat clean. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to write that novel and you're going to produce that mixtape. And yeah. then you're going to travel the parts of the world that you can travel during this pandemic. Yeah. And you're going to develop all of these kinds of approaches to all of the world's problems and you're going to be fantastic. Mm -hmm. When in some ways it's like, nah, I wasn't resting before. Yeah. I was just driving through. Now it, there's an opportunity to our mind and our body are almost speaking to us to say, hey, catch up. Yeah. Catch up right now. Get your rest. Get your rest, man. Let's uh, Let's recharge as much as we can. There's illness out there. There's sickness out there. Like, let's... Let's not be a part of it. Wow. Yeah. Well, goddamn. Yeah. I think you. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. It's. <clears throat> it's. It's interesting, man, because it's like. I. I think as far as far as like being an artist, you know, answering that question is like, why do you create? It was interesting because it was like, I got to the point like with the Rona tape thing, it was mm -hmm. fun to do. Yo, go get the Rona tape. Hold on. <laughs> Nah, 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 we not, nah, we not doing that, man. The Rona tape is out now. The Rona tape is out now on Bandcamp. Wherever it is, you get your music. Any streaming service, go get the Rona tape. Shit is fire. Wow, I wanna, I'm gonna take that and put it. Yeah, let the listen, man. Pause right now. Go. If you're listening to this podcast, man. Now let let, let me segue just a bit, uh -oh, bro. Because my guy, a part of what. I individually learned about myself during COVID was that I had to find support, maybe in a very broad way, to allow those who I loved to be almost free of my judgment and contempt around how they supported. Mm. And then I had to question and interrogate myself, like how do we really support, man? Is it enough that we tell people that we love what they do? Or mm. do we really need to get behind their projects? And in this day and time where someone can take 
a mixtape where they can take a song, where they can put it on a streaming list, and they can do it even without having to listen to it. Yeah. Just let it play in the background, and it You're benefits helping. your friends yeah, who create. Yeah. Dude, it's not asking a lot yeah. to tell people, yo, just do that. And I think sometimes as creators, we might look at it like, do I really want to pressure my friends into doing this? Yeah. Fuck yeah, we do then. <laughs> so where I'm at is... Go get the Rona tape, man. I'm going to see you the link. Go get the Rona tape. Listen to the Rona tape. Tell people about the Rona tape. (laughs) If you love Preach Jacobs as an artist, and I'm assuming that you do, everyone around you should know about the work that he does. Man. I'm off the soapbox, man. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it puts it in perspective. Because I remember like when I was younger, you know, gravitating towards like, the hip hop I listened to, where uh-huh. I was big into like the Qualies and and most Def, Black Star, and the yeah. Roots or whatever, whatever. There was kind of this shunning of the hip hop, where you always got a bunch of niggas on stage yeah, with you and all that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the older I get, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, they needed that. They needed that. <laughs> like you know to have saying? your Yo. to have people behind you Yo. that literally loved every word coming Dog. out of your mouth. Not nah, like we've we've gotten to a point especially now where we celebrate so much that is at a distance. Mm-hmm. I'm big on support because I think support is one of the things that helps us to deal with ronoralized anxiety yeah. disorder. <laughs> like the things that we create, the words we say, the relationships we build, having others acknowledge those things and invest in them and invest in us mm-hmm. is critically important around it. The art that we create is a part of it. Folks don't got to love it. Just plain support it, man. Yeah, Like engage yeah. with it. Like, I, I think that was the thing about like, the answer I came to where I was just like, you know, if if I was making music for money, right, I couldn't do it during Corona right. because, you know, there was no touring, there's none of sure. this type of stuff, right? Sure. But I was compelled to still create something. Absolutely. And so that answered the question for me was basically like, yo, I was, I told myself, I was like, I'm going to write to a beat every day. I'm going to okay. record every day. Okay. Even if the public never hears it. Sure. That was something for me. Because you kinda, loved it. Absolutely. Yeah. They kind of get through the yeah. fog of a lot of this stuff, right? Yeah. You know, it's like you can't control anything outside. I can control how I rock to this record. Sure. I can control where I put this snare on this. Sure. There's something about that, you know? Sure. And so I, I I really enjoyed the Rona Tape Project because it was approached from that perspective of like, yo, you know, it's exactly how I felt, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's unpolished. It's at times frustration. At times... There's a lot of like, um, I would get segments from other brilliant black people saying fly mm-hmm. shit put on there because sometimes yeah. you know, that, you know, my motivation is to listen to Angela Davis have a conversation sure. about sure. you know uh, uh, violence in the black community and all, you know, and so it was all these things kind of put together, and it's like I right, it's short enough that it's not going to be overwhelming, or overbearing, mm-hmm. and and not all art needs to be critiqued, like it right. needs to be experienced. Some of it just has to be experienced, and I yeah. think a part of what came about with Rona is people started to live so small Mm -hmm. because they had to be inside. And I think some of what we can do to celebrate one another is to live big Mm -hmm. and to share it. And then uh, you think about it, man, you have so many of within our social circle, friends, loved ones who poo poo a lot of what they believe to be trash rap music out there, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it's drill rap, whether it is mumble rap, whatever it may be, right? So they want something else. And the reality is fans of drill rap and mumble rap don't care. Just give me more. Absolutely. Just let me have it. They don't care. Quality isn't the question. Being able to engage with the culture of the music is the question. Mm. And 
we've lost some of that on the boom bap side, some mm. of the backpack side, some of the the technical excellence side. We've lost what they have. Well, we really never had it. Tell you the truth, we never had their willingness to just play and engage, right? Like, yeah, Com- I, Common yeah. would have sold a million from day one, yeah. right? The Roots would have sold a million from day one, but we've often said, well, no, I appreciate it, and I know we all appreciate it, so I don't necessarily have to invest in it. But in a period of time where investment can very simply be streaming, yeah, all you got to do is put it on. No, nah, this is that- simply no, 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 no. So where I'm at. <laughs> Where I'm at? Where he at? <laughs> nah, stream everything, man. All right, yeah, go get preach, bro. Well, look, that I I don't have nothing else to say. Like I have a couple more notes on my phone, but I feel like fuck it. <laughs> I yeah. feel like that's the note I want to end on. I want to end on that that positive note. Yeah. Um, tell people where they can find you and check out the great work that you're doing and how they can stalk and give you money for what stuff that you're doing. Um, so you can find about. Very first short story uh, is in the Cyberfunk Anthology from MV Media. So make sure you go find me there. Um, second short story is going to be dropping in the Spy Funk Anthology. Bing bong. Uh, in June. Um, I'm Napoleon Wells. Look for me everywhere. Google knows me. So just put in <laughs> Napoleon Wells, you'll find me. Um, in the next few months, I'm going to be dropping a couple of short stories independently, just like singles, mm-hmm. and let you engage with them. Um, then I'll be having uh, collected works of my own coming out after that. So do keep an eye on me. When you drop these um, short stories, are they going to be audio books too and stuff like that? Potentially. Potentially. I'm kind of thinking about making certain that I have a couple of different ways to approach it. Mm-hmm. Not above comics being a part of the process mm-hmm. as well. Animation being a part of the process. Right now, I'm just kind of a snobbish writer. So that's kind of the first love and how um, I approach it, man. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to be great and stay with a great group. Dude, are we going to talk about Slaughterhouse? Oh, let's talk about Slaughterhouse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now, real quick, Napoleon BX Sith at Twitter. Um, find Napoleon Wells on Instagram, but we got a few things to say before we run. But I just wanted to make sure to answer your question. Yeah. But yeah, Slaughterhouse, bro. So did you see that whole thing last, I last did. Friday? I did. I watched it all, brother. Me too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Your, your thoughts, how do you feel? Um. So I was disturbed by what I saw, as I think mm-hmm. a lot of people were. And I felt prepared to, to blame someone. I, I started wanting to blame Joel and Crooked. Mm-hmm for creating a Death of Slaughterhouse project. Yes. Without Royce and Joe knowing about it. But then listening to Joe in particular, as he was speaking to Joel, kind of what became clear was Joe's sense that he was bigger than Slaughterhouse. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I, even though Royce stayed out of much of the arguing, I think Royce kind of enables Joe's sense of himself. Yes. And, and that to me is a little troubling because I, I think Joe needed to be checked as much as Joel did mm-hmm. in that conversation. Joel wasn't really answering the core question. Yeah. Right. Did they say they weren't going to commit to a slaughterhouse project? Well, I, I have a I have a thing for that, too, though. Okay, but, go yeah. right ahead, bro. Like, I feel like I don't know if gaslighting is the word, but mm-hmm. I also feel like it. If there was like a diet gaslighting, uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's what Joe and them were doing. They absolutely were because, doing that because man. I've been following Joe for years, uh-huh. and on the podcast for years, he's always said, "I'm retired. I'm not rapping. I'm not yeah. rapping. I'm not rapping." Mm-hmm. And so, if somebody says, "You know, I'm not rapping. I'm mm-hmm. done," mm-hmm. 
And Royce is like, well, I'm not doing it without Joe. Right. To try to like, you know, uh, uh, get overtly technical or 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 use this level of like, um, weird jargon of like, well, did I ever say that I'm not rapping? Very heavy semantics. Yo, it's, it's that, that's the word I was looking for. It was just yeah. it was all semantics. Was basically like, dog, you know what? It's like anything that's not a yes is a no. Especially <laughs> when you can approach the conversation and say, I want to think about it. Yeah. If, if you're wealthy, yeah. thinking about it means yeah. I can leave it for as long as I want to. Joel and Crooked were not in a position where an IP like Slaughterhouse, which mm -hmm. has value to them, mm -hmm. we can't just let that sit. Yeah. You know, and Joe knowing that mm -hmm. needed to have that conversation brother to brother. Yeah. He approached it like y'all are bums and that's why y'all Yo, y'all wanna bigger, make this I'm slaughterhouse project. And yeah. Listen, and listen, and Joe, here's here's where the semantics come back in. Mm -hmm. And and I promise you, he did this on purpose. Mm -hmm. Because you can't be brilliant and then all of a sudden be conveniently stupid. Right. Right. The the semantics of what ended the conversation. Mm. Yo, man, the album could suck my dick. Yeah. Right? Joe could fall on the semantics of, well, I didn't say Joel can suck my dick. Which is what he's been doing. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I didn't say Joel, uh, I said the album could suck my dick. Right. But Joe even has said on his pod, mm. the thing that you never say in the vicinity of any you guy. Can't, you can't say suck my dick, man. I don't care if it's metaphorical. No. I don't care if you're trying to use it in a. You don't say. And, you don't say suck my dick. And you don't say fuck your mom. And in niggas from New York. Oh, exactly. Niggas from New York, which Joe is, which Joel is. Mm -hmm. Nigga, you might as well swing on me if you Dog, come out and say and, suck my dick. And, and that's what I'm getting. It's at. Fighting automatically. It's that Joe tries to act as if. Oh, but that's what the semantics of like. Oh, did I say I'm not doing it? But you said you were tired. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so if you say, "Oh, the, I said the albums," I said the album can suck my dick, right? You know, well, who made the album? You Joe, saying the same goddamn thing. Joe Budden is a bit of a very convenient narcissist. Like he chooses his narcissism carefully and chooses to try <laughs> and hide it behind the misunderstood. Yeah. In other instances, but in where things are here, it's <sighs> slaughterhouse. I think we've all romanticized them. <laughs> yeah. We have. I like, got a thought, and, and, I got a thought they, of that too. <laughs> and they were amazing for what they were. Certainly, when I hear Joe say, man, niggas don't want me outside. Joe, you were the least of the four lyrically. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Here's the thing, though. And it's the thing that made, even though Joe was the least of the four, he was probably the most impactful mm -hmm. on many of their biggest songs. Mm -hmm. Right? Which is disturbing in that, you know, rap isn't just about being the best lyricist. Yeah. Like you have to be able to deliver it a certain way. Yeah. And Joe had that down. Right. Mm -hmm. But to in his mind understand it, he clearly had enough people say it to him. He clearly understood it about himself enough. But even if I think my brothers are wrong for what they've done, which I think Joel and Crooked should not have created a death just yeah. dude, approach them. Listen, we gonna make a slaughterhouse album. Mm-hmm. But a Death of Slaughterhouse album? Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why you didn't tell them about it. Yeah. You felt you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Even saying, yeah, you know, well, we spoke to them about making another Slaughterhouse album. Not a Death of Slaughterhouse yeah, album yeah, you did. Yeah. Like, everybody in this matter is wrong. Oh, everybody's wrong. Everybody's and, wrong. And I think that was a part when, um, when I think either Joel asked or Royce asked, it was like, they said, how was our business? And it was just yeah. like, it was all fucked up. So all they basically, so they basically was it. saying, 
Everybody they got their own manager. Everybody right. got this. They was just right. they acknowledged. It was a disaster. It was absolutely. So the money they should have made being in Slaughterhouse, they never did. Like the impression we have of Slaughterhouse mm-hmm. was not their lived experience. Yeah. Not in any real way. In as much as the fans of Slaughterhouse, who let's be clear, is still mostly underground hip hop fans. Yes, yeah, it's, it's us. <laughs> all know? four members should have been in a position where stepping away from Slaughterhouse, mm-hmm. they were taken care of by us. Yeah. They were not. I couldn't yeah. tell you the last time I was aware mm-hmm. of a Crooked Eye project. Yeah. More so with Joel, but I couldn't tell you of a Crooked Eye project, the yeah. whole project I was fully aware of. Agreed. Everything Joe Budden does makes noise. Mm-hmm. Everything Royce has done since Slaughterhouse has made noise. Yeah. So Joe even feels like he's approached it in a way to say, listen, man, I used Slaughterhouse the way you were supposed to. Why didn't you niggas do that? Yeah. I came out of Slaughterhouse and I got rich. I got a podcast. Yeah, you, yeah. you like Royce came out of Slaughterhouse and won Grammys. Mm-hmm. Y'all niggas did what with it? So yeah. that's on y'all. Yeah. And, and 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 I don't think I, I don't think that's fair because like you can always say that like Steve Kerr was on the Bulls, but like you know if Jordan can do a crossover and dunk, he can't then look at Steve Kerr and be like, why the fuck you can't do that? Like right. there's different players that could do different things on the Absolutely. team. Absolutely, I I do think that I find interesting that that Royce and Joe have teamed up as far as their positioning, and I've seen how their relationships with people that they've been close with had. Falling it's been really strange. I mean, I mean, really strange. I'm be honest yeah. with you. I'm be honest with you. I haven't listened to any of Joe Budden's podcasts until until probably recently to hear what he said uh-huh. about this slaughterhouse thing. Yeah, what happened with him, Rory and Maul? Mm-hmm. That shit broke my heart. Absolutely. Like, and 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 the same thing with the slaughterhouse. And mm-hmm. It was public. Mm-hmm. It was nasty. Mm-hmm. It was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And the type of shit that he was saying about Rory and Maul, it was ugly. And I'm like. From from listening to y'all talk, y'all known each other since forever. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Correct. Like at some point in time, Joe was sleeping on one of them couches or something like that. Yeah, you, you, know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's a mall's crib. It's yeah. like it's like at what point, even if we can't do business anymore, at mm. what point do you say, "Hey, this isn't going to work," but I'm not going to put you out there like that. Correct. To a hundred thousand people to listen to. Correct. Right. So that part of it, if if there was a benefit of a doubt that I was giving. Joe's losing points in that regard. And I would yeah. say, similarly with Royce, he had this shit that happened with Lupe. Yeah. That it was, yeah. dog, it was the it was the weirdest well, shit. Well, Lupe is a, yes. a bit of a maniac himself. Yes. But shit, like, if you're there and present for this many instances, I have to wonder about your role. The in common it. denominator. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. and so that part of it is, it, it was just like, I mean, more than me feeling like I'm siding with anybody or being angry, I was just more more so just thoroughly disappointed and heartbroken Dude, I was by it. saddened by no. it, man. And, I, and I, no, I, the place that I came to, I'm like, I understand how close family can have this type of argument mm-hmm. out loud, but I felt eventually Joe and even Royce to a degree were just being unfair. Yeah, I think so too. In in a way, and Royce less than Joe, but I felt like Royce was letting Joe be the raging bull. Yeah, after a period good cop, of time, bad cop. So yeah. like Royce could appear to be the very reasonable, balanced well, friend. He, in he, argument. He, he's thinking being silent is the same as being you know level headed. I think I, I I think that probably annoyed me more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was basically like, "Hey, this ain't going nowhere." I agree yeah. with him on that, but like, but I, honest to God, like, when do we ever say we're not doing this? When do we ever say I'm like dog? If if you did, you, 
everything you indicated, yeah. suggested to anyone yeah. listening. And 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 it was the semantics was done in a way to make Joel sound like a liar. If you can't pinpoint mm-hmm. when I said I wouldn't do this, like, listen, all, listen, you have four people who know the language of our era yes. in our community, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. If I'm talking to my mama. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, ma, listen, I wanted to make sure I came over and got that thing. All right, baby, I'll let you know. I'm never getting that thing. <laughs> Do you understand what I'll let you know means? <laughs> oh, yeah, listen, uh, bro, I got to move, man. You know, can you help with it? Oh, yeah, 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 man, I'll give you a call. I'm never getting that call. We all know what that language means. Absolutely. These dudes telling them, like, nah, you know, we'll come back to it. Nigga, we're never coming back Yo, to that, man. Don't do that shit. My homeboy told me this, and this is a great, a great line. He said, anything that's not a yes is a no. Absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. Ain't nothing to hold on to. And it that it took a year. Like, no, we wanted to make sure that everything right for who? Right. And so ultimately, nah, it's best that Slaughterhouse went their separate ways. But I don't think Slaughterhouse should have been brought into it. Just not even the name. Just never again. Yeah. And, and and to be honest with you, you know, honestly, I think from what happened with Slaughterhouse, I mean, think about this, right? I think we can tell that Joel and Crooked are they some rapping ass dudes, right? Absolutely. And And it gets to the point where you know, if I look at a group like the Locks or something like that, you know, Styles P and Jada will always have these arguments mm-hmm. where Jada's perspective is he want to be on a major. Right. Because if I'm on a major, they're going to cut me a check up front. Absolutely. Right. And I'm just going to get my money and I just mm-hmm. record and do my mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Styles is like, nah, let's be independent because right. we get more of the shit that we sell. Right. right. It's two philosophical differences. Right. And so. Jada just want to rap and get his Correct. check and get out of there. Styles wants to make it like, I want to run the label. I want to do this. And Jada's like, I don't want to do all that shit. Right. And so when you look at somebody like Joel and Crooked, they were in a situation where they always want to rap. And they, you're on a super group where I don't have to write three verses for a song. All I got to do is do one verse. Right. And I got the help behind right. these niggas. Right. They were excited for something like that. Mm-hmm. But Joe, between Joe and Royce, when they got signed to Shady, Joe can walk away from the Shady deal because he has this other stuff going on. He Absolutely. has love and hip-hop, this and this and that. Absolutely. Royce can leave Shady because Royce's relationship with Eminem is so strong Correct. that Slaughterhouse breaking up ain't going to fuck up his relationship with M. Right. So the two people that are kind of left Royce, in limbo. Royce also had an insane following. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. so he needs it the least. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, And so I think that the two most hurt people is probably Crook and Joel. Because to some degree, yeah, they've been abandoned, mm-hmm. right? Like we were getting money together. Am I being left to try and do it myself now? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I think hurts is if you were to put them in order in terms of rapidly rapping ass cats, mm-hmm. right? They're right in the middle of the group. Yeah. Right. I put Joe at the very bottom in terms of rapidly rapping <laughs> yeah, ass yeah, niggas, yeah. right? But yeah. Crooked is, in my opinion, probably one. Mm-hmm. Royce, and you can argue Royce or Crooked. I'd say Crooked maybe slightly more so than Royce. Joel probably third. Mm-hmm. But that's saying a lot because of how skilled all of them are. Imagine mm-hmm. you're in this group, you're brought into this super group, mm-hmm. but then you turn about. Dude, it's like 
you're Joel Ortiz, you find out you're Hawkeye in the Avengers. <laughs> but you're an Avenger. Yeah. But you're fucking Hawkeye in the Avengers, son. And that is how people react to everything that you do. You're, you're literally trying your damnedest to, to, as much as possible, show people, nah, man, the Avengers matter. And the Avengers do when y'all are all together. Yeah. But, yeah, man, you have Iron Man over there. And this nigga well, got a ball now. Yeah. This dude, this dude is the Hulk yeah. over here. Right? You, in fact, like, Crooked is Black Widow. Yeah. You are Hawkeye. Sorry. Yeah. You're just going to have to make your way. It's unfortunate. Oh, so you man. are a part of that super group, but you're the most mortal among them. I mean, yeah. either way, like, nah, man, I just want it to be over with. Yeah, I, I, to be over I, with. I felt the way I felt, and I never watched it, but when that whole thing happened with the whole, like, Jada Pinkett shit with that yeah. dude, the August yeah, thing, yeah, dude, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. And, and he said all that shit on um, Breakfast Club, uh-huh. and then Jada goes and she's like, I'm going to have to take myself to the red table. I don't know what the yeah. fuck. What the hell does I, that mean? I never watched the interview. Mm-hmm. I just saw those little snippets yeah. of Will Smith talking to Jada about their fallen marriage. Painful. And he's crying. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't need to see this. What's humiliating for him? Dog, I'm yeah, I'm like, what? It, it, I'm like, and it was also a sign of the times, right? Where it's like, at what point does Jada feel like she owes the public this? Right, like just be private and just say fuck. Yeah. Like, look, look, we ain't know anything about Jay and Beyonce shit until she put out Lemonade, <laughs> right. right? You know what I'm saying? Right. And so I don't so, know. There, there is a problem with things as they are currently that nobody simply wants to take their L's mm. quietly. Yeah, dude, if you've taken an L, just go on ahead, like process through it. Pro- like find someone in some space where you can quietly process through what that feels like. Now, folks refuse to take the L. Yeah. It has to be loud. I have to have support from others. I have to have this. I have to back. turn it to content. Look, it look. It absolutely is ugly. It's vulgar. Yeah. And it's vulgar to see. But nah, man. Where uh, do you yeah. think the slaughterhouse will ever get back together? Probably not. Yeah. Um. I think considering where they are, everything that's been said is going to make it difficult. I mean, money might change everything. I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah. Imagine someone comes along and I'm going to guarantee each of you uh, 25% split and here is the pie and you have full control. You have your full catalog. I'm going, like, everything comes with you. Mm-hmm. They might. But yeah. they're always going to remember the conversations they had right now. Crooked and Joel already knew that Joe thought he was bigger than the group. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now it's been confirmed oh, yeah. in a to, very ugly way out to of To say some shit like that. How do we go out on the road together? In, in and, front, yo. And you've been told for all of this time, like, you're, it's like, and many of us have been in this position, man. You know what I'm saying? I can remember while I was at Morehouse, and I'm not going to mention my bro's name. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Incredibly good looking brother, right? Mm-hmm. He's a dickhead with women of all kinds. Wow. And this dude literally had a honey open up a bank account for him that she was putting money in. He was just like, nah, man, I just need that shit. I'm going to just string <laughs> along to get that. And I'm like, you're the worst what? fucking human being ever. Right? He's this kind of being and he's a part of our group. There are those of us who are kind of like, nah, I'm trying to be good about this, man. I'm trying to do this the right way. Mm-hmm. Not for the sake, like I'm a, just a good person and trying to be. Mm-hmm. Right? That should mean something. Yeah. 
in the it's like I'm a rapidly rap ass cat. Yeah. And I know y'all love it. And there were people like, oh no, that's amazing. That's tremendous. But dude, this dickhead is always finishing first. Yeah. Like it made it hard to look and even coming away from it, he's like, nah. Like he had a whole combo with me, like, bro, now I'm gonna always be good. It's always gonna be somebody that's gonna have me, man. I ain't never gonna have a warm bed to be in. And I was like, motherfucker. Like, I'm over here writing on these guys. Like, imagine being crooked in Joel and you were writing your ass off. Yeah. And Joe Button goes and does some shit, like, fucks another model. Yeah. And that is what matters yeah. in the group. You are an amazing rapper yeah. in a rap group. And this dude is doing something else to diminish and tarnish this thing that you have. But. There's the attention. And Royce is just quietly going about being amazing his own, but not re- like seeming to yeah. enable Joe in many ways. Well, I mean, you know, to try to correct it. And the thing about it is, like, I, I think Royce probably cared about this shit the least. I think. The, Absolutely. I think the reason why he's talking about it now is because it's getting some traction. Absolutely. And, and God forbid, because I haven't heard it yet. God forbid the project be dope. That I think in many ways, perhaps the amount of attention that it's gotten and it was designed to draw them into a fight mm. like them drawing being drawn into a fight gives it the attention it needs for ill in many ways but now they can say nah listen man it's dead but go listen to this like there's a lot that we reveal you guys have been looking for it so people who may have been neutral joe's name is brought into it many of his fans come over yeah they're gonna stream it because it costs them nothing to stream it. yeah yeah right, right. so <laughs> ultimately yeah yeah. All right. I think it comes out today. I'm listening to it after it was done. Okay. Well, I guess uh, it's getting dark. And yeah, man. About a, a, yeah. a buck thirteen. And listen, we've given listen, we've given them amazing work, man. These niggas shouldn't want nothing else from man, us. Man, right look, now. I'm, I'm telling you, this column I'm about to write, I'm about to use all that stuff that you go said. for. It, man. <laughs> go <laughs> lean it, lean into that Rona realized anxiety Rona, disorder. Rona realized. So Rona realized anxiety disorder, and also Rona phrenia. All right. Yeah. Go right. for it, Yo, that's going to be the name of the, the podcast. But dude, thank you so much. Thank yes, you all sir. for listening. Blase, blah. Buy the motherfucking Rona tape. Listen, nigga. go get the Rona tape, man. I said Napoleon Wells, go read everything that I got. Go watch everything that I'm on. More work coming soon, man. Me and Preach may got to do something. We and have go get to that. do yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. That's go. The, we got we to gotta like brainstorm that to do yeah. something. Like I, That's definitely what I want to do. Matter of fact, yeah. 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 I got something for you. Anyways, that'll work. That'll work. Um, we're done. Holla at you later. We Peace. love y'all, maybe. <laughs>